Welcome to the Conversations Podcast with Terry Law and Scott Law. I'm Scott Law, and I'll assure you that this is not your typical Christian podcast, just spouting that old-time religion. We're exploring the intersection of our life and faith in a way that's fresh and new. We'll be unpacking deep theological concepts in a very fun and relatable way. Together, my father and I have traveled to over 125 countries, endeavoring to be the hands and feet of Christ. We've also faced incredible personal trials and tragedy, and we held on to the grace of God through it all. So the purpose of our podcast is to share the love and grace of God with you and with those who have yet to hear. Again, welcome to the Conversations Podcast. Sit down, turn it up, and enjoy. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Scott Law, and I'm here with my father, Terry Law. Dad, why don't, you, why don't you say hello? Hi, Scott. <clears throat> How are you today? I am doing well. We're happy Good. to. We're happy that uh, you've all joined us today. We're especially happy to finally be able to be here together. We've been talking about doing a podcast for a while, so it's good that we're actually being able to launch it. We're calling it the Conversations Podcast. And uh, before we get going, Dad, why don't you give us a little background on uh, on yourself for the uninitiated? Okay, um, I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> my wife tells me never to tell anybody that, but I uh, keep on doing it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but I, uh, I was born and raised in Canada, came down to attend Oral Roberts University here in Tulsa, and uh, joined the first graduating class of ORU. So I was there way back at the beginning. Uh, we've seen the incredible development of the school. In my first year in university, I formed a music group called Living Sound. Uh, Larry Dalton was the musical genius that uh, arranged all of our music. I did the preaching and led the group. When I think of all he's done for me, it makes me want to cry tears of happiness. And we began to travel the world probably over a hundred countries. Um, we've done some amazing things, but the unusual part of our ministry is that we, uh, we went to areas of the world that were hostile to the gospel. I went to communist countries. I went to countries where uh, people were not allowed to be Christian without being put in jail. So we've seen a lot of things, but God has been good. I've met with popes and presidents and prime ministers around the world, and uh, we think that God has made some deposits in our lives, Scott and I, uh, together that we can share with you, and hopefully we will edify you, build you up in the Lord, and instruct us all in terms of uh, what's happening today in God's world. The big issue for America right now is the coronavirus. It's everywhere. It seems to be going everywhere. And there's a real concern. I sense almost a real fear in America, in the nation. People wondering, am I going to get sick? Who's got it and who hasn't got it? And, uh, of course, our financial markets have been in free fall. Uh, we lost 10000 on the Dow inside of, I think it was, what, 10 days, two weeks? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're looking at that, and, uh, and we're asking God to give us some words of instruction. What, 
What can we tell America right now from God's word that is apropos for this moment and for this situation in your life? So we're going to, that's where we're going and uh, <laughs> let's, let's get at that's it. That's good. Well, uh, going back to your brief intro to what you've done, I would say that you and I have had some pretty fun adventures together over the years overseas and it'll be fun to talk about those in some of the upcoming podcasts and blend those in with scripture kind of talking about our walk of faith and our walk through life mm. and the challenges, the ups and downs, the mountaintop and the valleys. One of the good things, Scott, is that uh, some years back, a little while ago, I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to write a book on hope. Mm -hmm. It's called The Hope Habit. And that is exactly what America needs right now, is a, a good dose of uh, old-fashioned biblical hope. Hope defined as a, a confident expectation of the goodness of God. Think of that. That is so inspiring just to say those words. A confident expectation of the goodness of God. God is a good God. He Amen. shows himself that way to us all the time. And uh, we're going to spend some time in the book. We'll be looking at promises from, from the Bible. Promises on hope. Promises to build you up. Promises to, uh, to help your faith. And uh, wow. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good, Dad. Well, bringing this to this moment right now, everywhere, as we, as we sit here, uh, the only thing that's really being discussed in the news worldwide is COVID-19, coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Like you talked about earlier, I would say that there's a lot of fear when I go online, social media, when I watch the news. Uh, I'm actually just kind of trying to tune it out because there's so much almost despondency, almost despair because of all the negative news that's out there, and if and and people are feeding off of it, you know, um, I don't think the media intends to do it exactly, but it's just the fact that the the news is how many people dead in China, mm -hmm. how many people dying in in Italy, in uh, South Korea, uh, Japan, and we're looking around the world, and basically our concern is America, and uh, the people who've lost their lives. Financial chaos, wow. These are trying times. They really are. And mm. times when we need to hear a word from God. You said that hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. There's a lot of bad news out there. And let's talk about your book, The Hope Habit. And why don't you share a great story that's in there about a gentleman who faced despair going through the Holocaust, and yet he tried to be tethered to hope. He was, uh, his name was Viktor Frankl. He was one of the most famous Jewish personalities in the world. He wrote, I think, 27 different books. Mm. Uh, he, was he was a psychotherapist, too. Right. Right, yeah. And very trained. In fact, he, uh, he wrote the book, The Search for Meaning. Mm. And in that book, I took out a little story from it because I thought it was so apropos. But it talks about what despair does to the human spirit. He was in a concentration camp for three, four years during the Nazi occupation in Europe, and he met another man, he calls him F, and I, I'm going to use the term Frank. But in one stunning story, Frankel described the deadly effects of despair on one of his fellow prisoners. This man is called Frank, and he'd been assigned to his as his block warden, and uh, he confided to Frankel that he had been told in a dream that the camp, his camp, would be liberated on March 30, 1945. Mm. 
when Frank told me about his dream, this is directly now from Frankel's story, he was still full of hope and convinced that the voice of his dream would be right. But as the promised day drew nearer, the war news which reached our camp made it appear very unlikely that we would be free on the promised date. On March 29th, that's two days before D-Day, Frank suddenly became ill and ran a very high temperature. On March 30th, the next day, and in fact the day of the prophecy, they had told him that the war and suffering would be over for him, but he went into a delirious trance on that day. On March 31st, he was dead. Mm. Inside of three days, because hope was extinguished in his heart, and that hope had kept him alive. Frankel said the only people who really made it through the Holocaust were the people who dreamed and had hope for a future. Mm. They believed that God wasn't done with them yet. Some of them would build corporations in their mind. They would build houses. They would do everything they could with their imaginations to, to stay alive and to move forward. They had hope. They had hope. They looked to the future. And I think, I think the, thing, the, the sad part about the story you just shared about Frank is that he truly had despair. That's true. And I, and I looked up the definition of despair, and the dis- definition says, a despair is the complete loss or absence of hope. And I think that is something that people are wrestling with right now. Maybe you've uh, had a family member that has been diagnosed with COVID-19, or maybe you've got cancer, or maybe you've had to shut down your business with this horrible economic impact from this virus, and, and you are facing a hopeless situation. But I would say that despair is giving up on God. You know, I'm, I'm, reminded, it's a lie. I'm reminded, Scott, of a, of a story, and I think... Probably now would be a good time to share it. At Oral Roberts University, I was on the board for about 25, 30 years. And uh, we had a financial crisis come. In fact, it was late November into December of 2007. And uh, we needed an influx of cash in order to cover the salaries of the faculty and of the people who work making the university happen. And we were in trouble. We needed $8 million. And on that particular day, December the 3rd, we had to have the $8 million in the bank by 8 o'clock, or by, excuse me, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, our board was gathered together. We were praying. We were talking to God. And uh, a man came in and uh, was introduced to us. His name was Mark Green. His dad founded Hobby Lobby. Mark came in with a check for $8 million. I can't tell you what that did to me. Talk about hope, uh, what it did to every other man and woman in the room. And uh, there were, I think, probably 35, 40 of us there. And Mark says, I'm giving this as a uh, loan, an $8 million loan for the university to continue on as it has been. The chairman of the committee asked Kenneth Copeland to lead in a prayer. And thanks to the Lord for what had happened, Kenneth went ahead and prayed. As soon as the prayer was done, we had a banker in the room from uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah, We each had a mic in the ward desk. He took the mic and he, he dropped a bomb on the entire room. He said, folks, I'm sorry. We can't receive this $8 million check even though it's offered now. This is a loan. And we have made promises on other loans 
that we will not borrow more money until the old loan is paid off. And we can't pay off the other loans, so we can't receive this money. Mm. Scott, it was like someone had taken a pin and pricked a huge balloon, and all of a sudden the air just got sucked right out of the room, Mm. (sighs) like this. Mm. I looked around, shoulders sagged, heads were down, people were talking to God, some eyes closed, praying, and... It was an education for me. These were very important people, business people doing very well in their private businesses. But here we are. We've hit a corporate snag. We've got to have this money. We've got to have it today, but we can't take a loan. It's got to be a gift. Well, Mark Green and uh, the chair of the meeting on that particular day was Billy Joe Doherty. They left the room, and we didn't know where they were going or what was going to happen. Uh, We talked about various ideas, talking to Pat Robertson, various people about getting money for the ministry going forward. And after about two hours, Mark Green came back in. And I could tell uh, by his eyes, his eyes were red, and I I, I sensed that he'd been having an emotional time or at least a time of prayer and, and that God had been speaking to his heart. And he made a public announcement in the room. He said, folks, The Lord has talked to me this afternoon and told me that I am to give this money, $8 million. I'm to give this money as a gift to the university, not demanding payback or demanding to take over the board, which was the idea in the beginning. Well, the change from despair and hopelessness to hope was a beautiful thing to see. Mm. And uh, we had to go and announce to the faculty, we're down the floor below us, uh, waiting for the news from the board meeting. And my wife was a professor at ORU, and others were looking at the end of their life financially. Yeah. We're all wondering, God, what's going to happen today? Well, we went down, the board went down to where the faculty were sitting. And uh, I remember I looked through the room and I saw Barbara's eyes, I caught her eyes, I gave a slight little wink with my eye. And she said she was really tense up until that point, but when she saw me wink, it kind of gave her a a feeling of, uh, well, maybe there's an answer here. So then the chairman of the board stood up and started telling the audience what had happened. Now, there were professors in that room. Some had been there close to 50 years. I was a, a member of the first class, at ORU, and when I saw these men that I knew, men of sterling quality, brilliant minds, some of them were crying, some of them were hugging each other, some of them had their hands in the air praising the Lord. Mm. It was one of the most incredible moments that I've ever seen in my life. And here we are, we're talking about a country that has lost hope, It doesn't know where we're going. We're in the darkness, somehow in the middle of a storm, wondering when the tornado is going to strike or whatever. So there is a word from the Lord. And I believe that that word is in the area of hope. And that, uh, in fact, I've got a a copy of my book here. I'd Mm -hmm. like to read maybe just a a couple of verses that are in the book. Uh, Psalm 130, verse 7 says, Hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. Proverbs twenty three eighteen, 
know that surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Another verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You and I have a God who is extending hope to us in this very moment. And I would encourage you, uh, maybe in your concordance or somewhere, you've got uh, a book that will outline verses on hope. But uh, Scott, you've gone through things that are unusual for most young men. And you came to a time of hopelessness in your own life. And uh, I'd like you to share, if you would, Scott and I have both gone through our own uh, valleys of despair. I lost my wife, Jan, Scott's mother, uh, some years ago in a car wreck here in Tulsa. Scott has had cancer and has beaten the cancer with the help of the Lord. And Scott, just go ahead and share that with us uh, sometime Absolutely. in later programs. I'll talk about Jan, but I'd like to hear this story from you. Absolutely. Well, I think I was having uh, physical complications four years ago. Next month, I started having blood in my stool, and you know it, it, it alarmed me. And I went in to get checked, and they couldn't, uh, couldn't figure out what it was. They thought it was a, an ulcer or an abscess or something. And I remember my doctor, my GP, was, uh, was really concerned. And so he called a favor into a gastroenterologist, and I was able to rush over there just before Memorial Day, 2016. And he did a quick sigmoidoscopy, which was, it was a type of colonoscopy, but it's just in the lower part of the colon. It doesn't go all the way up, so they didn't put me out. And I remember being being awake. They got a camera up my rectum, which is kind of an interesting experience. <laughs> mm. And I remember watching on the monitor on the wall, and he turned a corner in the colon, and I remember seeing a tumor in my colon. And, um, it was the size of a small grapefruit. You saw it with your own eyes? I saw it with my own eyes. You could tell by the look of it that it wasn't supposed to be there. It just, it looked sickening. It looked demonic. Angry. Um, yeah. And I could tell by the, by the doctor's response that it was, he was concerned and I kind of got quiet. I tried to keep myself composed. I watched him take a biopsy with the camera, a little claw come out and, and, and grab some of the flesh from that tumor. And about Five minutes later, uh, wheeled me out and went into the room. And he he talked to Kathy. And now he said he he he's confident it's a tumor. Kathy is, is my wife. Is yeah, your wife. Yes. You know, he thought it was at least stage two, maybe stage three cancer, but he couldn't couldn't be certain. And so within three or four days, I had to have emergency colon resection and remove the tumor because I was about ninety percent obstructed, which means I couldn't I couldn't go to the restroom because all everything was backing up. And um, the tumor was so large. And so I had to, had to get most of my colon removed a couple of days later. And uh, most of the colon? Most of the colon removed, yeah. How, how 18, much would 18 that 18 be? Inches, 18 inches. 18 inches. Yeah, yeah. And so it was a journey. And still didn't know what the outcome was. It didn't sound good or look good. And I remember I'd been in the hospital for four or five days. And my surgeon came in. And said that the biopsy came back and that it was cancer, stage 3A, colorectal cancer. And I just remember John talks about the dark night of the soul. Mm. I just felt depression. I felt despair. I felt just 
it was tough. It was just tough to think of. You're, you're, you've been that invaded. You've been invaded. Yeah, and, you, and, and I saw it. You know, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. And it scared me. I can't, I cannot deny it. It scared, it scared the, the life and the hope out of me. You know, you hear that word cancer, you know, it's, it's very much like, uh, you know, what, like what's going on right now. Coronavirus isn't as deadly as cancer. You know, cancer kills over 600,000 people a a year, a year Mm. in, in America. And, uh, I'm believing that coronavirus won't get anywhere near that, but still you hear the term coronavirus and you've got it. Um, people are dying. People are dying all over. Mm-hmm. There's fear. There can be panic. There can be despair. And I tell you what, I remember we sat down that afternoon after my procedure with the GI and we told you and Barbara, your wife, Kathy and I did, and it was an emotional time. And I remember you just encouraged me in scripture. You gave us hope scriptures and uh, healing scriptures. And you encouraged us to remember the good, all the good that God has done for us in our life and write it down. I remember Psalms, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That verse was a kind of a, a crutch for me. I would say it every day when I was going through chemo, every day when I was recovering for certain multiple surgeries. I remember singing an old Andre Crouch song. I'd put him on through it all. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and also... Andre uh, was a good friend of mine. Yep. Coming back to where we are right now, I think... You know, if you're going through this, if you're facing this, if you have a family member um, or a loved one, or you yourself are struggling with COVID nineteen or cancer or some other other thing, can, you know, can I? Um, my mind just just going here when yeah. you're talking. Yeah. When uh, I remember the lyrics of that song you're talking about, through it all, uh, Andre said he wrote the song, and he says, "If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith." in his word could do. You ought to thank God for every mountain. You should thank him for those valleys. Well, you should thank him for those storms oh, that is bringing you through right now. Well, for if you never have a problem, you never know that God can solve them. You'll never know what faith in the word of God could do. Praise God, and there's people listening to us now. Uh, Let your faith go toward the Lord. Let your hope stir your heart and expect something from God. God, again, hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. God is reaching out to you in this time and in this pain, and uh, I believe that uh, God will bless you in the words of this song. Upon his word sickness and pain I've learned to depend upon his word when the doctor walked from my bed and shook his head right then I learned to depend upon his word been a good day it's been a great day thanks for listening to us we'll see you again soon Thank you for listening today to the Conversations Podcast with Terry Law and Scott Law. We hope you enjoyed it. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Terry Law Speaks. Go to terrylawspeaks.com if you'd like to book Terry to speak at your church or special event. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and many of the other major podcast platforms. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
We'll see you next time as we continue to share the love and grace of God with you and with those who've yet to hear.